Welcome to our third episode of the SMB People podcast. I'm Hannah Ford and I'm here today with Emily Hocken to discuss the hybrid hangover, dealing with post-pandemic issues of hybrid working. But first, Emily, let's make sure we're all on the same page. Would you mind running us through some of the key terms we see cropping up at the moment? And in particular, what does hybrid working really mean? Thanks, Hannah. Yes, there are a number of phrases being thrown around at the moment, which all relate to employees working arrangements. Um, But the most popular definitely seems to be hybrid working. So hybrid working, the term is generally used to capture a working arrangement whereby an employee is working some of their time at home or at another remote location and some of their time in the workplace. So, for example, two days at home and three in the office. The term is really focused on the location of the employee and essentially means working across two or more places. Whereas you have other terms such as flexible working, um, which is generally used to refer to working hours and involves adjusting the working day to suit employees' needs. So, for example, giving employees a range of start and finish times. Um, There's a final term as well, which um, is being used particularly now in the sort of post-pandemic world, and that is agile working. Um, And this sits somewhere in the middle of the other two terms. So agile working is more of a concept of flexibility than specifically dictating employees' working locations or times. And it's a concept that we're definitely seeing many businesses engaging with after the pandemic. Um, The focus is more on empowering employees to work where, when and how they choose um, with maximum flexibility, minimum constraints, and it's aimed at optimising their performance and, and really encouraging them to do their best work. Yes, yeah. So now all these options and ways of working are available. Um, And after, you know, the government's living with COVID strategy was launched on the 21st of February and the official working from home guidance has ended. We're definitely seeing some reluctance from employees to return to their pre-pandemic way of working. And that's become really topical, hasn't it? Um, Employees um, begrudgingly being forced to return to the commute and the grind of office working. Um, How are employers effectively dealing with the reluctant returner? Yes, well, managing the reluctant returner is is a true hangover of the pandemic, because, as you say, you know, on the one hand, free testing ended on the 1st of April, PCR tests have gone, um, there are no more restrictions as such. But the reality is that people are still really nervous about returning to the workplace for a whole variety of reasons. Um, It might be that they are high risk and, and with COVID levels at the moment, they just don't feel comfortable exposing themselves to the risk of other employees, potentially people they don't know that well, or even commuters on the journey into the office. You know, the way people travel to work may have changed over the past couple of years. People have moved, their circumstances have have changed. Um, it could be, and this is a this is one that has come up a lot recently with the bank holiday. Um, they have a holiday coming up, and um, people are starting to book holidays and, and would prefer not to come into the office the week before their holiday because they don't want to risk potentially catching COVID and, and jeopardising their travel plans. Um, but some people may just prefer working from home, argue they're more productive there, they don't incur commuting costs, they might like being outside in their in their lunch breaks at home. Um, you know, th- there are lots of different reasons why people might um, might prefer to work from home. But this opens up a lot of new questions. So, for example, should refusal to come into the office and work in a, in a hybrid manner be a disciplinary matter? Um, employers might be tempted to take a, a blanket approach in order to be fair and, and clear, but actually people's reasons for not wanting to come in vary so much that employers should really be reviewing their circumstances on a case-by-case basis. 
Um, and linked to this, employers should also be reflecting on how to keep their workforce connected and together, because working from home can really lead to a divide in the business, particularly between those who choose to or are required to come in and those who primarily work from home. And this will be something that employers have already been grappling with, particularly if their business has different limbs and some employees have been working on site throughout the pandemic, for example, maybe in manufacturing roles, whereas others have um, a more in a administrative role and have been working from home. All these things mean that any future hybrid working strategy or policy needs to deal with reluctant returners and should be trying to unite the business where possible. Um, and some of the strategies to deal with that include um, taking other steps to unite the workforce like organising socials or internal networking events or all those kinds of things to create better synergy internally between those staff and um, it can go a long way as well to preventing proximity bias which is another hangover of the pandemic as you know. Yes yeah and um, I think um, one of the, uh, the the phrase of proximity bias is one that we've we've seen loads of over the last few months yeah. and that um, is essentially the tendency to show favoritism to those who are present in the office or closer to someone in a in a position of authority you know a boss or or a peer um and this sense that kind of better opportunities will come your way if you are in the office so faster career progression um corridor conversations water cooler moments but um employees need to recognize that some people will find it easier to fulfill that criteria than others and employers should have in the back of their minds um, whether uh, any policy they're operating might affect some employees more than others and how you can avoid that. So, for example, um, we, you talked about the reluctant returner, but um, in a disabled employee or an employee with caring responsibilities is, isn't really a reluctant returner. It's just somebody who who is working in, in a manner they may be working from home more and may be hindered by that. And that is could potentially get you very easily into a, um, a, a form of discrimination. So any business operating a hybrid working model must must make sure that their model doesn't disproportionately impact employees with protected characteristics, doesn't stunt their opportunity for promotion, um, doesn't hold them back in some other way or that they're not prejudiced kind of financially in terms of remuneration um, from, from working from home um, with greater frequency or working flexibly um, more than uh, rigid hours. Um, so you should consider um, reasonable adjustments to a policy for any employee with any form of disability, for example. It's also important to think about circumstances where agile working might be less appropriate. Um, it's not always um, the default. So, for example, um, some roles um, might lend themselves to um, greater collaboration, which, you know, the, the, there's many studies being done now which suggest that collaboration and creativity happens better in person and happens better in a, in a joined space. Um, and similarly, um, there might be, um, it, it's really a, a, a role-driven um, analysis to ascertain whether working in the office is truly necessary. Um, you might similarly have an employee who um, needs greater support, is in, in a probationary period or struggling in their role or um, mental health issues or, um, or is going through a performance management process. There's all, all sorts of different circumstances in which you might want to deviate from a remote first policy or a policy which allows a, a, an extended period of time where the employee is, is um, not invisible but not um, present in the office. 
And there are many other issues, aren't there, Emily, where the employee isn't isn't visible. That that's a, another true hybrid hangover. Yes, definitely. Um, particularly confidentiality, um, because you know we went into lockdown working in this kind of emergency crisis focused kind of way where lots of information was sent to hotmail and gmail accounts personal whatsapps were used to discuss work um, you know personal phones were used when work phones weren't a thing at that point for some businesses and um, people were sat working in rooms with partners and flatmates and um, employers had significantly less control over their business's confidential information and although we're now out of this crisis mode a lot of these practices have become really common and have remained and employers are now dealing with what to do with confidential information in a way that they didn't have to at least not on the same scale prior to the pandemic so given the increasing desire for agile working arrangements um, it's now suddenly really critical that employers are paying attention to the risks associated with remote working um, and making employees aware of what they should be doing to protect the confidential information of the business so you know simple things like ensuring employees know how to store and dispose of confidential paperwork when working remotely if are they printing things what are they doing with that and and all these things need to be formalised into ideally a policy or written into the hybrid working policy so that employees know what they're meant to be doing and, and they can avoid any confusion. Um, that it might be worth having in the policy um, the business's approach to IT security as well. So the rules about can you log into public Wi-Fi connections if you are working, say, in a cafe or if you're working abroad. Um, and also this then leads into thinking about data protection. So particularly if employees are likely to be working abroad for a week, which is something that a lot of employees are now requesting. Um, are they going to be processing data abroad? Has the business thought about how to deal with that? Um, a data privacy impact statement should really form part of any remote working strategy. So um, really thinking about the, what, you know, the implications of people not working in an office and what that's going to mean for confidential information of the business is important. And it yeah, gives employers a, a lot to think about. Yes, yeah, and perhaps the fundamental question is whether it's worth having a hybrid working policy at all. And we are still very much in the big experiment um, and it kind of cuts against the, the, the grain, doesn't it? It goes against the grain if you have a codified policy to deal with flexibility. Um, but my view is that having some form of structure is helpful to both parties. Um, it, it sets expectations. It's clear that everyone's working towards a common goal. And as long as you build in that flexibility and you're able to future proof it um, and uh, you're, you're clear with employees, then it's worth having some form of policy which deals with hybrid working, as you say, which links to other um, policies such as um, data protection, um, IT policy, flexible working policy and, and, and other areas of your staff handbook or, or elsewhere. And I think, yeah, what's really critical is that the businesses that get this right will be the, the businesses which are successful in the post-pandemic world. Well, thanks, Emily, and thanks to everyone for joining us. And um, that wraps up the Hybrid Hangover podcast. 